How was it going back? Going back was actually not that bad. So well, it's the safest airport in the world to go out of. <laughs> I like how you text us like as soon as we get on the plane. Oh, by the way, that's not actually safe. <laughs> I, I just said that to make you feel better. That was great. That was amazing. <laughs> I was hoping right before lift off. Um, so just let me know how close I got to the. I mean, it was pretty close. I would say within like five minutes of us taking off, I got. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you didn't have to share that with her, but yeah, it's cool. Whatever. No, it's fine. I'll, I'll, may or may not edit it out. They worshipped, so they said, the great old ones who lived ages before there were any men, and who came to the young world under the sky. Alrighty, well welcome everybody to another episode of The Great Old Ones Gaming, the podcast where we talk about Arkham Horror, the card game, as well as other Cthulhu Rip. They made a card game? They did. We talk about Arkham Horror, the card game, along with other Cthulhu Mythos games. I am Nate, lost in time and space, and joined with me today is... I'm Man from Lang, host of the Whisper in Darkness YouTube channel. I'm Innkeeper Vase Odin from the Twisted Tentacle Inn. I just want to say, when he said joined with me today, I he doesn't mean like from the thing joined. He means more like in spirit. Okay, this is Nathan from uh, Arkham Horror Images of Madness on Instagram and Arkham Central. It's the Crack of Dawn edition of the podcast. Crack of Dawn! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Crack of Dawn for oh, you yeah. guys, maybe. Yeah, technically, technically, Man from Lang uh, is the Whisper of the Darkness, but today... Vase will be the whisperer in the darkness. <laughs> so, uh, what you guys been up to lately? We've been quite busy over the past Man, month. It's been a crazy month. So busy. Oh yeah. Yeah. Vase, go. Vase, go. It's all about the beneath the waves, man. <laughs> oh, talk about stuff you've been playing, man. Yeah, man. I haven't had a chance to play a whole lot of Arkham. It's been just such a crazy month. Other than beneath the waves, and then last night. Nate and I joined uh, Jeff from the Winging It YouTube channel, and we did the Waking World scenario for Dream Eaters, and it was a total blast. Yeah, that was a crazy game, man. It was, yeah, it was so many ups and downs, so much drama. It was such a fun game. One of the best games of Arkham that I played, for sure. And I played uh, Tabletop Simulator for the first time, which was... A bit of a learning curve, but uh, you guys made it a little bit easier on me. Yeah, you did pretty well. Yeah, actually, I was watching, right before we started playing, I was watching a video from uh, Pure Flight. Graham, uh, he does the Pallid Cast podcast, and he did a, it's like a 45-minute long how-to TTS, like crash course. Very informative for anyone who's looking to get into TTS to play their Arkham online. I highly recommend that. Yeah, and actually, we... Um... We actually had the chance to record that, so that will be going up on my YouTube channel at some point when I get around to editing it. Along with the other side of that campaign, that's going to be with Scott from the Mythos Busters, Matastrophic, and Big Stupid Grin. So be sure to stay tuned for that. Man from Lang, what have you been up to recently? I've been busy traveling to Arkham Knights, of course, and Beneath the Waves been playing the new scenarios from uh, the dream eaters both uh, the sleep one and the waking one i've had a chance to play the uh, the first one a couple times both multiplayer and solo and then the uh, second one i've just played solo 
quick thoughts uh quick thoughts about those scenarios man from lane uh, i like them both the uh the sleep one seems uh easier but uh i got very lucky when i was playing it with marie it's the only time i've managed to trigger shriveling three times to take down the the big gug but it it seems a lot easier than the second one which is uh i think you need a lot of things to go right if you're playing that one solo in order to uh to finish it yeah when we played that last night jeff was kind of saying the same thing he experienced that that scenario can be really swingy depending on how the infestation uh tests go for you yeah you really need to nail the infestation you really need to get as few infestations as possible and you need to pick the right location and then you need to pass the parlay test, toot sweet, or you are uh, you're going to be, I think, a little bit too far behind the curve to to pull it back. But I but I do enjoy it. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that, and I I agree with your sentiment about it being the first scenario being easier than the second one. Yeah, the the first one seems more like a, a walk in the park. Um, I guess both literally and figuratively, as you sort of walk through the enchanted wood and. And uh, I didn't have too much trouble as Marie because she does have the four intellect. And so I was at five or six investigating. And so that wasn't the biggest problem was the was the gug. But I managed to uh, to get fairly lucky with my withering. And I, I think I also had a, um, a blood right that I triggered to deal two damage to it first and then withered it away. And, and once it was gone... I didn't see, I don't think I saw any other enemies, so. I'm curious to know what the what the consequences of not staying on the path are for that scenario, because it seems like that scenario almost feels kind of too easy. Did you get that impression too, or? Yeah, it seems a little bit on the easy side. I, I've heard, I think it was Nicholas Corey from Mythos Busters who's played it and stayed on the path. And I guess he could do it. It seems pretty, I think you'd need to to make, I forget what it is, like five investigate tests at five or something like that. Five or six, which is pretty, pretty tough. And you have to spend essentially a whole turn just getting the clues on the location in the first place, so. Yeah, and you don't get any victory points, so. Yeah, I feel like that scenario is designed a little too easy on purpose, but uh, but maybe that's just me. Hmm. Does that one give as much XP as the as the Waking World one? I believe it does. Yeah. Yes, I think we got when we played it in our group. We had twelve or thirteen by the end. Wow. So it's it's very generous, but I mean it's because it is a shortened. It's only a four scenario campaign. They have to they have to jack the the victory points to to compensate. Yeah, but you know they're gonna tear us into smithereens in the next scenario <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're gonna punish us for those experience points <laughs> yeah probably nathan what about you what have you been up to recently other than being in the hellhole of of work and work and work and work <laughs> my boss is like did they just say hellhole no i'm joking. um first of all uh fun fact if you say gug backwards it sounds the same uh i don't know if Nate uh Man from Lang covered that, but uh, uh, true story. We were playing uh, a campaign recently. It was our Return to Carcosa campaign. 
and one of the newer players was reading the instructions out loud and uh, it was like blah blah haster blah blah and we're like ah, we all eye rolled at the table looking at the person and they're like what i do we just threw sanity at him shut up seriously <laughs> it was such a such a privileged newbie uh punishment move it was pretty fun um playing several campaigns of arkham um, still designing a new scenario, just getting off the ground with uh, VinQuest, who did Against the Windigo. So that's really exciting. Uh, of course, as Man from Lang mentioned, we did Beneath the Waves, and uh, all you guys are awesome and were able to attend, and that was amazeballs. So I'm really glad that that happened. In addition, I'm also digging through my Lord of the Rings collection that I purchased uh, to catch up to speed. So I've got, I think, everything now. For Lord of the Rings, been talking to several people, including, once again, Man from Lang, about um, old scenarios, etc., and strategies. And then finally, uh, I've been testing out the new uh, Marvel Champions, which I can go t- about in depth at some point. Yeah, I'm curious to play that game. I like the idea of uh, shorter scenarios, but not really losing the complexity of Arkham. I like I like that premise a lot, so I'm curious to try that game out. It's definitely I think it's a little more supposed to be a little more bite sized. It's someone said it's uh, it's Lord of the Rings for wussies, uh, <laughs> which is you know I don't know who that's supposed to compliment yourself or not yourself if you play it. Um, I think it's got a lot of options to it, but I'll cover that. In detail a bit later. Well, very cool. So, speaking of uh, a little bit later, uh, tonight's topics we're gonna we're gonna talk about beneath the waves, obviously, and our experience um, attending the event, along with Nathan sharing his anxiety-riddled experience of hosting the event. From there, we're gonna talk about Vase's Blackest Friday and the generosity that he seems to be spewing out from every every orifice. In quick shopkeeping news, though, I did manage to build a new PC. So this new machine will hopefully expedite all of our content moving forward. And it also allows us to bring new types of content, such as live streams, vodcasts, and more. So if you guys have any suggestions or comments about the types of content that you'd like to see or hear, uh, be sure to email me at Nate, lost in time and space. That's all one word, at gmail.com. Um, so, guys, beneath the waves... Uh, who wants to kick things off? Let's have uh, Nathan kick it off since he was the, the main Not host. it. Vase, go ahead. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I like how, how Vase, every time he's like, oh, let, well, let's Nathan talk about Throws it. it and right Nathan just like, bam, no, I'm going to reverse that. Um, <laughs> Beneath the Waves was fantastic. Uh, it was one of my favorite parts was, you know, the four of us hanging out together. That was that was something that I'll never forget. And uh, the event itself, Nathan did uh, just, uh, I mean, it blew my mind. The Everything that he put together, the detail involved with it, um, putting, you know, little details like the tablecloth colors, the balloons that kind of looked like the ocean, the blue and green balloons with like the sea design to them. It was, everything was just perfect. Um, we got to meet a lot of people. There were... How many people were there? There were like 60-something people there. Uh, 62, yeah. Uh, side note, I did also pay for a manservant in a tuxedo with his limbs freshly severed off to take people's coats. Uh, but apparently in real life, when that happens, oh, they bleed out. So it's too bad. Let's just not talk about it. 
Okay, actually, just cut that out, Nate. I'll consider it. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I, I'm sure some people still don't know what Beneath the Waves is, but uh, basically a get-together of Arkham uh, players, kind of like Arkham Knights and um, Arkham in Flames. That was set up by, uh, was it Mythos? No, it wasn't. John to the, the Flame, Flame Frank and Peter. I went to that one in London uh, earlier this year. That was a lot of fun, too. A lot of great people. Yeah, it was a great Arkham uh, Horror get-together. We have a really big Arkham Horror LCG community here in Portland, and we figured, why not? So <laughs> Nathan just put it all together, and it feels like it was like just a, a few weeks, just threw it all together, and it it was, uh, it was a lot of work, I'm sure, and uh, a lot of vendors stepped up and donated uh, prizes so i'm sorry did did you just say a few weeks how long did you plan it for because I, I feel like it was a few weeks two months. was it two months i mean it, it just no, happened i started so fast. two months before the event reaching out to people uh so yeah it was fun i got all my uh little cultists in a row um but once again the the turnout would not have been the same if a there hadn't been a great community B, if I didn't work at a great game store that could host the space. C, I mean, the the level of support from all the content creators, yourselves, um, people that made a lot of the physical stuff, uh, people that donated uh, items. Um, and, and I guess I'll take over. I wanted to get a little bit of time to let you um, talk, A, because I want you to talk. Uh, but more importantly, B, um, I wanted to pull up my little thank you sheet. Uh, are we ready for the uh, official tablet here to be read? Yeah, go for it. Um, I've posted this in the Facebook group, and we've talked about it a little bit before, but I just want to give a quick shout-out. Um, first and foremost, uh, the event wouldn't be the same without uh, Hannah Winslow as Nurse Heather. Um, she was a, a trooper, donned a little uh, nurse hat. I said she could be a doctor. I'm all about empowerment. She wanted to take a slightly lesser stressful position, uh, which I respect. And she uh, helped people fill out their insanity and uh, health certificates. That was fantastic. In addition, we also had several people donating things. Uh, Vase helped out with some of the funding. And he also, um, this was last minute because we had some issues with uh, Amazon, what have you. But he got several copies of The Last King, or pardon me, Last King, the, the King in Yellow novellas, which were actually huge, Vase. How big were those? They were like... Yeah, they were like eight and a half by 11. It was it like... Yeah. <laughs> Which was even weirder. It was so Whatever. <laughs> but when people sat down to play, they were like, here, here's this giant novella. People were not upset. Um, that was cool. Uh, Frank Brinkley and Peter Hopkins from Drawn to the Flame. Absolutely delightful people. Highly recommend becoming friends with them or bribing them like I did. Um, they had their wives uh, send us some trivia in their way that they do. And it had some great uh, British slang in there. So people were a little confused. Uh, it was fantastic. I loved it. Uh, what was it? The one all hail the God cat bow down to the God cat. That was one of them. <laughs> yeah. I still love that one. I like the one with the S words. <laughs> S, S words. Um, Brian David Sandberg knocked it out of the park with his short story. It, it made me laugh out loud several times. I read it like it was a full novella. Um, it was really fun. I highly recommend reading that puppy. Oh, um, side note. 
Yeah. While, while we're on that you subject, said my name it, I did. <laughs> um, do you know if Brian is going to let us post that on the website or? I will. I'll double check with him. That's a good question. Yeah, it'd be. I think it'd be cool if listeners had the chance to read it because it is really yeah. funny. And if you like that story, uh, he has his website, Right of Seeking blog, which is he just does a lot of tongue in cheek stuff. Highly recommend yeah. Right of Seeking. Yeah, absolutely. Great stuff. He's hilarious. He also runs a uh, Sassy Wendy oh, Twitter yeah. handle, which is also hilarious if you guys are into that sort of thing, too. So be sure to check that out, too. He's a great guy. Out of Canada, whatever that is. Can- whatever. Uh, it's a place. Um, uh, of course, Nate, you're in channel. Thank you for whipping up your batch of Great Old One sandwiches and Elder Sign cookies. Uh, they were delicioso. Um, let's see, we got Simon and Chris from By the Same Token. Uh, I was able to actually go over there and see their production, uh, in England, and it was really cool. I got to see the secret process of which they were made. It involved witchcraft, so I really can't go over it, uh, through pain of death. Um, but fantastic people, a lot of fun to see the, the process. Uh, LCG stepped up to the plate and, uh, absolutely delivered. I, I happened to say, hey, would you mind sending some of your goods or I can buy them at a discount? And they were immediately like, we will send you a bunch of tokens and they're awesome. And then we're also going to send you t-shirts with the name of your event. And I was like, uh, I was not ready for this level of donation. The shirts were really a great hit too. <laughs> like they, people were asking us like throughout the entire event if they could get the t-shirts, if they can buy the t-shirts. Yeah. Right, yeah, they were and I'm like, uh, this is a black T-shirt. Okay, I don't think you're ready for this. <laughs> yeah, I had at least three people come up to me and ask me if they could buy a T-shirt. I mean, I sold mine, but it was for a lot of money, and I used that money to buy more uh, LCG tokens. Um, autograph it. <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> Daphne Brune from uh, Needle and Threadly on Etsy who made the bags. So check this out. She was actually even taking a leave of absence from her own web store for the next actually I think she's she might finally be back now uh, to make her daughter a proper Tudor dress with 19 yards of fabric but when I messaged her she wrote back after the automated message said you know kindly piss off she wrote back and she was like well I don't normally do things like this but for you I'll go ahead and make the bags I'm like "Uh, that's amazing thank you so much so kudos to that. Uh, Andrew Migliori from the HP Lovecraft Film Festival uh, here in Portland. It's also down in uh, California in Providence, I believe. He donated uh, fan-made copies of the scenario he and I worked on, Lurker in the Lobby, as well as threw in some awesome prizes from the Film Fest. So DVDs, T-shirts, patches, a Cthulhu Tiki mug. You know, nothing says Tiki. Like a Cthulhu Tiki mug. Uh, Andresia Garnier from Mama Monster Co. on Etsy. My favorite mats in the world. The player mats are great. The uh, location mats are great. Uh, once again, another pleasure to deal with. Very artistically uh, proven artist out there contributing to the content. Miles Arbeck from Arbitz. Uh, both sent some great fiberglass pieces Fiberglass and metal tokens. I think there's some love in there, according to the website. Uh, I think a lot of people like using his tokens just because they're it's fun to play with gilded, golden, sexy tokens. 
But of course, uh, he cut us a deal for that as well. Mythos Busters, uh, another great podcast out there, which I uh, listened to quite a bit. They donated three copies of their Consternation on the Constellation. Say that one five times fast. And that was really sweet of them to do so. Uh, I wish... And we had actually, during the scenario, the uh, the great old ones got together. And for our big group playthrough, we played Nicholas Corey from the Mythos Busters, along with Matt Newman, who made it. Um, we played their murder at the Excelsior Hotel. And I think I pretty much quickly went to blinking status in the game. And I was just ready to get killed off, but I hung in there. That was pretty intense. I got to play that one another 50 times. And that was pretty much it. Once again, call out to Guardian Games staff for dealing with 62 uh, people flooding in on them and playing. But the community was great. The gameplay was great. It didn't feel, maybe it's just me, it didn't feel like we had so many people packed into that fairly small space. Everybody was being cordial and happy and and getting their game on. Absolutely. I think it also helped that like the Labyrinth of Lunacy was in like a little separate room like off to the side so that was one of the things that i made a mistake on that i'm going to learn for future events they had enough newer players that they really did need some direction so if we do something like this in the future i don't know if i'm just gonna not play and help do things like run labyrinths and check in on people and stuff i guess that's one thing i wish i could have cloned myself for for the day uh, I just didn't want to miss the opportunity to actually get to play with several people in the community, but um, it was pretty stressful. I had a lot of anxiety because, and I don't usually have anxiety. It was almost like planning a wedding because in your head, you're like, here's the train track. Each of these details for the event are a train car. And if one or two of them fall off at the wrong moment, the entire event will be sabotaged kind of thing, which is of course ridiculous because you know, once again, it's a cooperative card game where people are pretty laid back. Um, but it went off pretty darn well. I got to relax about halfway through the event. So, 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 like you said, Nathan, we had the chance to play Murder at the Excelsior Hotel at the event. Um, what did you think about the scenario? I thought it was awesome. It was a ton of fun to play. Well, I've been talking a lot, which you know, I don't have a narcissistic personality like some people in politics so i mean just i'd rather hear from other people is the man from lang still there or do you go back into hibernation no, i'm still here <laughs> not asleep nah, yet i thought i heard some laughing in the background what do you think lang what do you think of that scenario excelsior oh i really enjoyed it it's I, i've only played it the once and uh, i know there's like nine endings or something like that so uh, i'm sure there's uh, I think we got lucky just because the uh, the sort of objectives uh, we had just happened to be where we were, so we didn't have to uh, we didn't have to move around the map too much. And then I think the ending it just we worked out we just happened to be again in the right place at the right time, and we had uh, we had just enough to uh, to finish it off. Yeah, we did, and it was large part thanks to um your marie tech that you had you had played throughout that scenario diana esperance did work man diana esperance <laughs> yeah she did a lot of work in that scenario i think there were 
like I had uh, Dan on the table with a uh, Word of Protection 2 stacked on her. And how many secrets does she have? Three or four? I believe she starts with three. But, uh, yeah, each of those secrets was used on a, on a card that probably would have killed somebody. So it uh, each time she triggered, it was uh, make or break. So uh, that was, uh, that was pretty, pretty huge in keeping everybody on the table or keeping everybody in the game so we could at least get to, uh, get to the end. And then I think that uh, you were playing Jenny Barnes, Nate, and that was... Uh, having that evade at the end was was huge as well because otherwise we would not be able to uh to finish yeah i was um i played kind of a clue getting jenny mainly focused on like streetwise and um fingerprint kit so that was like the big way that i was trying to accelerate clues in that scenario i i felt like i did uh a middling job i did what i needed to do and then showed up right at the end just to take all the credit (laughs) (laughs) um vase you were playing tommy and you just went on a murdering spree my goodness yeah it was uh it was fun but we were riding the line of defeat like for the last i don't know 20 30 minutes of the scenario i think two of us were like one damage or horror away from dying and it was that i think all like almost all of us were by the end of it (laughs) It was it was cool. I, yeah, the uh, there's a lot of damage and horror that that thing throws big out. Big time. Yeah, and I think I think you mentioned it, uh, Lang. The I think that scenario will probably come to its own when you play it more than once because you really get to see the different paths that that expand out of it. How the narrative completely changes from one playthrough to another. So I think the benefit of that scenario is the replayability. Yeah, for sure. There's. Uh... Yeah, I mean, we just happen to have, I think, two of the... I'm not too sure how many cards you, you can get access to, but we just had the two come out right away, and and that pretty much set the tone for for the rest of the scenario. I'm not too sure. I, I know that there's the uh, the innocent bystanders or, or whatever they are, and I wasn't too sure. I'm not too sure how you can beat it without killing a few of them, but... Uh, because I think we thought we were going to be in, in yes, I thought we were going to be in much better position towards the end than we actually were. Yeah, things got real hairy at the end. That's for sure. Oh yeah. Um, spoilers. Continue. So we, so to kind of like start the scenario off, uh, Tommy was the lead investigator, so he started in the hotel room, and the the rest of us started in the foyer, and. Uh, you got like really unlucky in the beginning of the scenario and ended up like trying to trying to like clean up the body and all that other stuff but you like drew I think you drew like an auto fail or something trying to make those tests so so that happened yeah I think most of the scenario I just had that knife that you start with and that's all I fought with um, you had agency yeah. backup pretty early in the game if I remember correctly first round yeah, yeah I <laughs> yeah. flared the first round and got him in play but they they went away like early enough like it it was pretty quick yeah i remember you you used them to get all the clues that we needed early on though which helped a lot yeah yeah that, they were handy for sure but yeah it was a little bit harder than i expected to get the um like searching the body and all that i don't i don't know that we accomplished any of the initial things that we were supposed to do i don't i can't remember no no we did not 
No, I'm pretty sure it it wound up like you ended up having to kill like a hotel guest, someone else, and like an Arkham <laughs> officer, like turn four or turn five. And then in game, he was killing people left and right too. <laughs> and you just went on a murdering spree, like two turns in a row, just like. Grr, grr, grr. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was, I think at it one was point else. we were we were trying to manage the witnesses or something, and then at one point, Man from Ling was like, "Just kill them, kill them," because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. they were so hard. They were just all over the place, and it was just becoming really, really impossible to manage. Well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Fun fact: um, someone had just bumped into him for like the third time uh, when he was sitting there trying to play, and he was getting irritated. Also because I finished off all the maple cookies he brought for against the Windigo. <laughs> uh, and at that point, he just, this look was in his eye, you know, and he was just like, kill him, kill them all. <laughs> and, and the just funny thing is, I, I knew he wasn't talking to us. I think he was just talking inside of his own head. And I was like looking around like, oh shit. But then somebody like started just, I think it was Vase, right? Killing people in the game. I was yeah. like, phew. You know, so <laughs> it, was, uh, it was close. I said the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet. <laughs> and then, yeah, so things kind of went sour after I went into the basement to try to to try to get some clues. And I I failed like, I think like four or five investigation tests in a row. It was brutal. Like, I was three up on all those tests, and I would still fail, and it was, ugh. Which really, like, just sucked up a lot of my time in the scenario. I've never seen somebody break so many lockpicks. Yeah, that that was brutal, to say the least. But, yeah, so, yeah, Diana really saved saved everyone's bacon in that scenario, that's for sure. War 2 was, uh, needless to say, very good. I had a great time. That scenario was really cool. We ended up getting the alien device and the time-worn locket as our two leads. Just one second. Spoilers. Thank you. Which spawns, yeah, it spawns the ghost up in one of the top rooms, and, yeah, that was, that was where I finally was able to finally help the team out and evade the enemy so that we could get the rest of the clues and succeed the scenario like i think it was literally the last turn or something that we won yeah i think going forward we would have had like each every mythos phase after that was going to get progressively more difficult just because we everybody was riding the line so we didn't have a lot of diana was out of secrets and we didn't have a lot of spare sanity and and health to go around so Chances were that somebody was going to get knocked out, which would have made it that much more difficult to finish. It was, yeah, it was by a hair. Yeah, yeah. so so that was great. And then, so we all played that, and then we all kind of diverged and played other things. So, um, Man from Lane, what did you end up playing after we played Runner of the Excelsior? I ended up playing against the Wendigo with... Uh, with Nathan and another gentleman from uh, the Seattle area whose name escapes me. I want to say maybe Tom. And, uh, yeah, that was only, I think, the second uh, fan-made scenario I've played after uh, Consternation at the Constellation, which I had a chance to play at, at Arkham Knights. And, uh, yeah, it was good. It, it uh, There was a lot to do in it, and uh, we got to the end and uh, unfortunately we had to uh, run away from the wendigo simply because we were no we were in no position to uh, to fight it it's a it's a pretty beefy enemy and uh, 
and uh, Nathan, I think, was the only one who was in any position to uh, to fight it. I, but I think the nature of the enemy made it like you can't really. I think it's one of those enemies you basically have to to jump in and kill it in one turn because you cannot stand toe to toe with it. And uh, we decided that uh, running was was a better idea. So. But uh, yeah, I thought it was uh, from a design point of view. I thought it was uh, very well done, and and uh, lots of interesting, uh, interesting little uh, uh, tricks in it. Uh, the uh, the way the locations uh, are laid out, and then a lot of the uh, how you advance the plot and, and stuff like that was uh, was very interesting. And Nathan, you've played against a Wendigo at least a few times, right? I mean, you were the one that had the scenario printed out so that everyone could play it. You know. After you make your own scenario for a couple hundred hours and enjoy it, and then you play another fan made, and you're like, "Oh my god, this is so good!" I don't want to say better, but it's better. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> I, I do recommend that. If you do at least one fan made ever, I do recommend against the Wendigo. That said, there's other great fan maids. It's just one of my faves. Yeah, it's definitely a really good one. I ended up. Um... After we played Excelsior, I got shoved into a game of Blob, which was pretty fun. It was only a four-player pod. Got shoved into a game. <laughs> how was it? I heard from the people playing in the groups. How was it four-person? Four-person, I think it kind of, um, the scenario kind of gets, you like you get the idea after like eight or nine turns of what you're supposed to do. And then to me, to me at least, it kind of just felt like going through the motions. And just like hoping you survive, yeah. I, I wasn't. I wasn't super impressed, to be honest with you. Yeah, the the scenario does have a has a has a very distinct cadence of of uh, spoilers. The uh, the sort of the investigation phase, the the attack, and then the counterattack, and you sort of repeat those ad nauseum. So once you sort of understand how the how the scenario works yeah it's it's a lot about just surviving and and being in a position to 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 one grab the clues you need and then to dish out the damage i know when we played it we had a guy uh robert bout who i believe is uh, one of our patreon supporters he is he's actually our charnel lord speaking of which shout outs he had uh he had oh who is he he had leo with a flamethrower dishing out a, a horrendous amount of damage. I think the limit is in four player was like 14 damage and he was putting that out by himself. So, uh, yeah, he was, uh, he, he made it pretty easy to, uh, to pile on the damage with that, uh, with his flamethrower. Did you also happen to overhear the sounds coming from the blob group? There were a lot of oohs and ahs. I just want to say ooze. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Nathan, you never fail to uh, disappoint with your puns. But yeah, um, yeah, I kind of feel the same way. Like we had one player essentially just that was able to deal 12, I think it was 12, 12 damage per uh, per turn. So we just, um, you know, we just had him sit there and punch the heart of the ooze while everyone else just kind of like did board management and... Um, we didn't even end up finishing the scenario, but we we got to the point where we're like, okay, like 
in two or three turns we're gonna we're gonna win and like none of us were in any real danger there's a couple of annoying encounter cards in that scenario and maybe we didn't play it quite right but to me to me it felt more like a novelty that's probably much better paced in a large player group but in four player it just kind of felt like once you get the idea of the scenario you're kind of just like spinning your wheels and hoping to survive by the by the end of it yeah i think there's also an, an inherent randomness in it just because of the like when the blob eats something i mean potentially it could be devastating or do really nothing so uh, a lot of the it's uh yeah it just it throws that random element in there that you know it could potentially affect you or it could do nothing and then you uh you just sort of carry on so it's not a it's not a scenario that i'm uh crazy about playing again anytime soon i did enjoy playing it but it's not uh i don't think it's one i'll i'll be sleeving up all that often yeah and i don't really like see myself like slotting it into a campaign ever there isn't a lot of experience or reward to it if i remember correctly either well, the oozling, the oozling wins just because of the cuteness factor. Ugh, uh, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Well, yeah, I mean, aside, aside from, like, you know, key of yeast level cuteness, you know, yeah, I just don't really see myself wanting to slot that into a campaign, and I feel like I would rather play some of the other scenarios before I play Blob. Like, I'd, I think I'd rather play Murder at the Excelsior, like, 12 times than I would play Blob 12 times. Yeah. Oh, I, I think when, you know, when Blob is one of those ones, like, like Labyrinths, where you've really got to get a bunch of people committed to it. And I know just having been to things like Arkham Knights and, and Beneath the Waves, where standalone scenarios tend to get played far far more than than campaign ones i just don't see people sleeving it up all that often they'll they'll play guardians of the abyss and and ruguru and stuff like that carnival before they play before they play blob or even even fan mates will get played a lot more i think i agree a hundred percent but i also feel that uh, things like the blob labyrinths etc prompt more uh, casual get-togethers. Like, I think I'll do a, a blob get-together in the new year, a uh, casual event. Maybe get 12 to 16 people. Uh, because the the Beneath the Waves could have been everybody just pay, playing the blob, you know, or everybody playing Labyrinths of Lunacy. So I purposely tried to break up just so that there'd be a little more diversity. Which I thought was really cool. I, it, like, I think if you really went to Beneath the Waves to play Blob, there was a big enough group to where it felt certainly unique. I think there was at least 8 to 12 players. Nathan, is that correct? Uh, 8 at the most. We just set up one table as a dub. Okay, so yeah. So there was one table of 8, and then there was another person that had set it up when I went to play. So there there was 12 people total playing Blob. So like, if you wanted to play a big group game, that was there. What do you guys think about the theme of the Blob scenario? Do you, do you think that it fits in well with the Arkham Horror um, universe? No, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I think it does. I think um, it has a very color out of space feel to it, I think. Well, okay. I'll give you that. Yeah, that's that's what I 
that's what I thought. You know, it's it's really you could have rethemed it as the color out of space, and it wouldn't have been. You would not have had to make that many changes. Hmm. Interesting. I haven't had a chance to play it yet. It sounds like all of you have played it at some point. Think what I'm thinking, base. Oh snap! You guys gonna get together and play it now? Yeah. <laughs> and, and and vase it's a great scenario for open gate oh god you know <laughs> now that you mention it man from lang last night's game of the um waking world we did mention open gate and we met and you came up and your your constant uh mentioning of open gate and you will see open gate used to its fullest potential in that scenario yeah i was gonna say uh jeff put it in his patrice deck and it actually came in pretty clutch i gotta say yeah like i think i think it saved our group like six six actions total minimum and and speaking of patrice i got to play her for our uh, podcast game of murdering the excelsior a lot of fun although every grip of new cards you grab you're like Am I going to grab four or five weaknesses at once? But uh, I do like her quite a bit. She was a ton of fun to watch, just uh, both with you playing her and then, you know, the game that Vase and I played last night. She she looks like a ton of fun to play. So I'm going to be curious to try her out soon. Yeah, I, I like the idea of not not caring about, you know, using up your entire hand that round. Like, you, the play style is so different when you're playing Patrice because you're, you're not scared to save a card for later like you're just okay well i need to commit whatever icons we'll just commit them whereas any other deck you know you're going to probably consider it if you want to hold the card for later or whatnot so it's definitely a different play style that's it's just like very very wild and just let's just go for it type of thing mm-hmm. but vase since you didn't get the chance to play blob you ended up playing return to the last king for your second scenario of beneath the waves yeah it was fun uh- we had an ultimatum where, um, for the event where you you had no resign option until all the VIPs were dead. So you had to get all the clues, interview as many VIPs, and when they turned, kill as many VIPs as possible and just survive. Uh, and we had a guy playing Tony Morgan, and he was just ridiculous. Um, just how you guys were saying in the blob, someone was putting out like 14 damage in a round. This dude was putting out like... A ridiculous amount of damage every round he was just taking out vips like they were nothing like they were swarms of rats and it was fun to watch i mean tony morgan definitely is a very strong investigator for combat at least um and i, I was playing patrice for that scenario actually and i feel like i didn't get to use her as much because everyone kind of had their role already and just everything got taken care of pretty easily we had i think mandy and and Tony pretty much were the v- were like the uh, the uh, winners of that scenario. They- yeah, and you were in a four player game. I feel like um, I think Nicholas Corey said that he feels like three player is kind of the sweet spot of the multiplayer experience in this game, and I I kind of think I agree, especially after our our recent escapades the other night. Uh, three three player seems like a pretty pretty good spot. I think you're right. Now that you mention it, I'm thinking back to games where I had, where it was three players, and I think those are always like, some of my favorite games were with three players total. So I think that is the sweet spot for sure for multiplayer. Yeah, I, think- uh, I would like to disagree completely. Continue. Oh no, um, I'll yeah, I'll kind of make my point, and then I'm I'm curious to hear your point, Nathan. Uh, I feel like three player, three player, you have one player that gets the clues, one player that fights the baddies and then you have another player that kind of does both 
and can flex into either one and deal with the encounter deck for the most part. And with four player, I feel like those waters get muddied a little bit, whereas you 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 really try to focus on doing one thing in multiplayer. And then I find that two players kind of compete with each other trying to do the same thing. But maybe that's just me. I'm I'm curious to hear what you have to think, Nathan. Oh, uh, no one's ever said that to me. It's kind of thrown me off my game. Um, I mean, oh, that's because you're married. Sh- Whoa. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, on a purely mechanical note, sure. But um, I play in like three or four or five. Is it six different campaigns? Um, and I play with uh, Joseph Forster from the Lord of the Rings community, who plays a lot, a lot of games, uh, all kinds of games. And uh, we have a great time with our campaign right now. We're doing um, Forgotten Age, but then I've got a four-person group. We just started the Circle Undone. I have another four-person group doing Return of the Path to Carcosa. I've got another four-person group. Uh, actually going back to the very beginning uh, with Dunwich again, Return to Dunwich. And, like, I never feel like someone's extra or that they're vying for a spot because, you know, even the Mystic players are playing Drawn to the Flame to get clues or shriveling stuff. Uh, the rogues are doing their thing, but they're also getting around the board and they're evading. I, I don't know. The camaraderie, the interactions, the possibilities feel solid with three and four to me but um on a purely mechanic level or mechanical level great it does help to have redundancy and some backup though because if somebody does go sideways um then it's nice to just have another person to pick up the pace but i don't see any negatives that's a good point nathan um Redundancy is certainly helpful, especially in tougher scenarios. Uh, Man from Ling, I know you primarily play solo, but uh, what do you, what do you think is the best or most ideal player count? Do you are you on the three player or the four player camp? I've played mostly when I've played uh, multiplayer. I've played mostly four player, and I find it. I guess maybe it's the solo player in me, but I find it quite a bit easier. Um, the I think because you've just got so many more bodies on the table who are able to deal with with pretty much everything that the the encounter deck throws at you, I find it pretty tough to uh, to actually, I, I guess, get in trouble because you usually have like if there are enemies, you usually have a guardian there who can mop them up. If you need clues, you've got a seeker who can mop up the clues the thing i find about playing uh, multiplayer is i i find it i i don't want to say boring but i'm i guess i'm just used to playing solo where you have to be sort of good at everything and so you're doing a lot um, the diversity of stuff you're doing is is greater it's just like okay i need to get clues now okay now i need to fight something okay now i need to evade where i find with multiplayer it's just like okay i need to go get clues okay i need to get clues i need to get clues and that's all you basically do throughout the game and so i find that kind of uh i guess just after like when you're doing something like the iron man and you're basically just getting clues for 12 hours that can get a little repetitive 
where I find in solo you're you're constantly shifting what your what your plan is from turn to turn. Yeah, I definitely I definitely see where you're coming from. Um, do you feel that that's also part of a pacing thing? I feel like a lot of um, Arkham Files games kind of suffer the the I do my turn and then I sit around on my phone and wait for everyone else to finish their turn uh, kind of symptom. I'm not sure. I find that like with Arkham, I I I can see that in other Arkham horror games with with the with the LCG. I find that it can be pretty fast paced if everybody especially in in uh, multiplayer where everybody pretty much knows what they're going to do on their turn there are very few it just seems like there are very few times where there's um, a lot of complicated interactions I think the biggest part is is basically deciding who's going to do what first but then it's like okay now that we know what we're the turn order then it's just like okay you know the guardian is going to be fighting the enemy i'm going to be gathering the clues and he's going to be evading so we just need to figure out who's doing what in which order and then the actual turns themselves go by pretty quickly like i I know in arkham knights i often found myself just like it's just like, just let me reach for the chaos bag here. I'm just going to investigate three times, right? There was no real discussion about, you know, how long. And, like, I could be taking my turn while somebody else was taking their turn because it was, because what I was doing wasn't affecting their board state at all. Hmm. So I, I find that the turns can go pretty, the actual turn goes pretty quickly, and, and a lot of that interaction in four-player happens at the beginning of the turn when people are deciding and then once everybody's sort of got a plan in place that it goes pretty quickly. Yeah, I would I would uh that seems like a fair assessment. I feel like especially in our game last night we would kind of just like start the investigation phase, like we'd all figure out what we wanted to do and then be like, "Oh, okay. All right. So we need to kill this enemy. Somebody needs to get clues and somebody needs to pass this test. So you 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 and then yeah, like you said, you know, one person's just kind of like taking their turn while another person's drawing tokens on the chaos bag so yeah so that's a that's a pretty good point too i think we did end up i know at arkham knights and there were certain situations where it requires a lot more thought so it like i know towards the end of doom of estley we were it took us a while to sort of plot out how we were going to actually get everybody out and so that was that was more interesting from a from a, uh, I guess a, a strategy perspective, because at that point in the game, the whole getting clues part was done. So it was just like we don't need clues anymore. Now we just need to figure out how we're going to get everybody out of this place. And so uh, it involved a lot more um, discussion about okay, who's going to take which enemy, who's going to move, which order are we going to do it, and and stuff like that. And I think that's where the multiplayer game really excels. But towards the beginning, when it's just like, okay, I'm just going to investigate three times. You guys do whatever you're going to do, and I'll we'll see if we get the clues or we don't. Yeah, but at the very least, like, worst comes to worst, you are sitting at a table with a group of presumably nice people playing playing a game that you enjoy playing. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's really 
really what matters. Uh, I quickly did want to give a huge shout out to Nathan for all the time and money and resources that he poured into the event. It was really, it was really a, a sight to see. So if you guys are in Portland next year, uh, you should really come and check the event out. Nathan did a terrific job putting everything together. Yeah, I, I had, I had several people come up to me and, and tell me it was their favorite Arkham event, Arkham get together that they've ever been to. And yeah, it, I definitely felt that way myself. It definitely was a lot of fun. You know, and uh, once again, if it weren't for people like yourselves in the community, it simply just wouldn't have happened. So thank you, though, for the kudos. Uh, a lot of fun, great memories. Here's the sad truth of the matter. As much time as I spent, as much money as I spent, it cannot begin to touch the amount of bullshit high levels of generosity that Vase Innkeeper here has poured into the Blackest Friday uh, event coming up. Am I right? <laughs> um, yeah, Blackest Friday is uh, an event uh, that now has become an annual thing. I love the Arkham Horror LCG community, and I love to give back, especially to the people that have a hard time getting some of the, uh, you know, some of the stuff from Arkham Horror, whether it's because they can't afford it or because it's just harder to find where they live at. So I think it's a, it's a cool way to give back and also get community members involved to have like fun contests and you know have people like get in the spirit of the holidays in Arkham. So uh, this year, we have several of the big content. Oh wait, hold on, hold on. Before before you get into the details, what is Blackest Friday? Blackest Friday is so in the in the United States we have uh, what's become known as Black Friday, which a which is the the day after Thanksgiving, where it's like one of the busiest shopping days of the year. Most companies, especially retailers, have major sales, things at a tremendous discount. And they call it Black Friday because it's boring, but it's an accounting term. So you're in the red all year, and then on Black Friday, your books, you finally get in the black because you sell enough stuff to put you in the black. So that's why it's called Black Friday. Anyways, um, so I figured Blackest Friday in the in the theme of um, the mythos, uh, we can just do a similar thing where we just go all out and give back to the community. And throughout the holidays, it doesn't happen in one particular day, but it goes through uh, November and December. And every content creator that's involved in the contest rolls out their own individual contest, uh, however they want to do it. And generally, it's holiday-themed or Arkham Horror-themed, and people enter and they win prizes and then I'll ship out the prizes anywhere in the world. So that's the theory behind it. And uh, we have um, several big content creators participating this year that are just doing some amazing contests that are going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I think Arkham Chronicle has a really cool one. Uh, they're going to be doing um, Lita around the world. Where in the world is Lita Chandler? I feel like they pretty much just stole that idea from our second episode, but that's that's fine. They totally did, without question. Yeah, but that's uh, fine. They have this thing with Lita Chandler <laughs> uh, that's kind of been an ongoing theme in their channel. So basically, you can take a picture of the Lita Chandler card uh, in a any landmark in your hometown or something that represents your town, and you send it to them. And I think that's a pretty interesting contest. So Arkham Chronicle will be giving the entire Dunwich uh, Legacy cycle, and that includes the Deluxe and all the Mythos packs for the Dunwich Legacy. And then uh, the guys at Miskatonic University Radio, last year they did a cooking contest that was really cool. Like you can cook or bake 
something related to the mythos and people were sending in pictures of like, you know, uh, elder sign cookies and things like that. This year they're doing, um, sending a picture of your auto fail face. <laughs> so that's going to be pretty fun. And they've thrown in their own uh, prizes into their contest. So they have a lot of stuff that they're giving away. It's going to be the all the standalones as well as the charisma promos and all tw all of the uh, 2019 council cards from Arkham Knights. So that's that's a lot of fun too. Uh, Drawn to the Flame podcast has a deck building contest. Uh, we'll have them giving away the Forgotten Age cycle. Again, the deluxe and all the mythos packs for it. Mr. Man from Lang is giving away the entire Return to Carcosa that includes the Path to Carcosa deluxe all the mythos packs as well as the return to box man from Lang, what's your contest i have a holiday themed five holiday themed questions some of them are similar to the ones i did last year but i uh, added a few new ones this year to uh to keep people on their toes very cool and um mythos busters uh will be giving away the circle and done cycle the deluxe and all the mythos packs uh, their contest will be announced on a podcast that's rolling out this week. And Twisted Tentacle Inn, my my YouTube channel, we're giving out my custom scenario, which is called A Matter of Life and Death, and the Great Old Ones playmat that uh, you guys saw at Beneath the Waves, as well as the King in Yellow annotated edition. Oh, I'm sorry. I get a copy of your scenario. How? Because I want it. I'm gonna get it. Oh, you'll get one. You'll get one anyways. Like you'll automatically win that part of Blackest Friday, and I'll get your playmat too. Just, for, just for being uh, you, Nathan. What a guy. And uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, the King in Yellow uh, annotated edition is also part of my contest, which is a really beautiful um, annotated version of the entire King in Yellow. And when when Nathan and I were looking for copies of the King in Yellow to give away for the Beneath the Waves event, I realized just how hard it is to find the entire collection of all the short stories. Like, you can buy the King in Yellow on Amazon, but I think, like, 95% of them don't include some of the stories. Like, they're missing one or two of the big ones, you know, like uh, Court of the Dragon or whatnot. So... This one actually has all the stories. It's got beautiful artwork. It's made by, or it's published by Arc Dream Publishing. And Kenneth Height, who we will be interviewing this week, um, was involved in the annotations for it. So that's pretty cool. And I got to mention that these bastards forced this beautiful book onto me. And it <laughs> is incredible. And I'm going to maybe make my eight-year-old read it. It is really good. Thank you so much. Oh, of course, man. It, You're it, welcome. <laughs> yeah, can confirm it is amazing. Um, I own a copy of it myself. Um, when I went to Necronomicon back in August, I, I like, made a beeline pretty much straight to the Arctory booth, and I was like, I need this in my life. So really, really incredibly generous of you, Face. Um, and if you haven't seen the Great Old Ones playmats, whew, those are gorgeous. No, there, there's not... Jennifer, generous is not the word. Generous is not the word. We left generous back in the house before we set fire to it. This is a whole new level of, like, I think I'm going to have to get him committed. I think I'm going to, like, take him to Dr. Mintz and Nurse Heather and be like, hey, you know, pretty nice guy. Gives way too much. Don't don't think he can afford it. Uh, I couldn't afford it. Um but no, just effing ridiculous. I even entered the contest with uh, Drawn to the Flame like 
first day the contest went up not to win i think it's the full forgotten age cycle but uh just because i really wanted to create a card and i and i was really enjoying making one so yeah i hope that i hope i don't win because i'll be like oh put my name back i don't want to take from somebody else <laughs> and then of course we are participating in blackest friday so we're going to be doing what? yeah yeah we're going to be uh giving away one of those really nice great old ones play mats as well as a uh, bag a chaos bag with uh the great old ones logo on it and um yeah we're and of course uh we're going to be doing all deluxe expansions so all the all the deluxe includes dunwich legacy um the path to carcosa deluxe the forgotten age the circle undone and the dream eater cycle or not the cycle just the deluxe so all the deluxe which means you will have every investigator that's been officially uh, published for Arkham Horror, except the promo investigators. Damn. Yeah. Um, so for that contest, uh, all you have to do is send us a the answer to a trivia question, which we're going to pose shortly. And of course, Nathan is our trivia guy. <laughs> I do not understand what the hell you mean. I like how you just like made Nathan responsible for that right on the spot. He's just like, uh... On the spot. This is like last minute yeah yeah thank you thank you and and for whatever reasons i want to hear man from lang talk because i don't get enough of his dulcet tones let alone at seven in the morning oh there was a slight snicker did you see that yes we uh well i mean vase has been uh, incredibly generous uh with his uh his time and money and uh for the community and uh I know at least over on my channel, the uh, the Blackest Friday giveaway is getting a very enthusiastic response from from uh, from viewers, and they're having a lot of fun uh, answering the questions. And uh, I'll I'm hoping to post some of them in the comments. Those were fun questions. So. I just watched your your bit. People have gone. People have written. I was just expecting like one line answers, but people have uh, have gone above and beyond and written written uh lengthy uh stories about how uh, who they were uh, caught kissing under the mistletoe so and i can say with uh, i i believe it's a slam dunk this year uh the contest has still got a week to go so if you haven't entered uh, head over to uh, the channel and take a look but it seems uh diana esperance is the uh the the lady of the hour Ooh, so uh, seductive for uh mistletoe she who deals with devils is getting it on <laughs> yeah oh yeah everybody wants to kiss yeah I, I what what uh man from lang said i i want to also back up i i watched the segment and, and checked the questions out and i was like these are really fun so yeah definitely get in on it well very cool vase um so how long is black is friday gonna run till um some it, it depends on the content creator some are ending it um in the end of last week of November, some are going through the first or second week of December, but everything will be um, closed out mid-December so that everybody could get their prizes before the end of the year. So very cool. Um, links to all of those relevant contests will be posted in the show notes, so if you're interested in finding out more about how you can win some sweet Arkham Horror LCG content, be sure to follow those links in the show notes. And uh, with that, I quickly wanted to mention that I'm still running a Call of Cthulhu campaign. So if listeners are interested in joining 
the Flotsam and Jetsam campaign, you can hop over onto our Discord server, and we'll be scheduling the second game hopefully by the end of the month. So is that because everybody died in the first one? Um, no, it's more of real life issues becoming real life. So we were planning on playing um, this past weekend, but then um, friend and patron of the show, Solar J, unfortunately. Uh, was busy helping his wife pack for an artist exhibition. So, oh, I just thought your campaign was so ruthless that people you have know, it's, already it's funny dropped you say out. That They're just like the, pl- the players have yet to really experience the true horror, and I'm excited to get them into it. So, <laughs> if you want to experience some cosmological horror, come on over to our Discord server and. Join in on a game of Call of Cthulhu. There were some cool characters that people made for that campaign. I, I haven't had a chance to join in either. Like, like you said, real life has has happened, but I I do want to play in it. So hopefully, I can get at least one session in. Yeah. So there there is at least um two or three spots for players that are interested. I did record the first session, and hopefully, I'll be getting that out by the end of the year. No promises though, but we'll see. <laughs> I have a, a lot of content to edit over the end of the year, but hope, thankfully a new PC helps expedite all of that. So Very cool. And Nurse Heather, you, she can edit content. I I would pay my wife money to edit content. That would be phenomenal. But uh, we've, we've spent a lot of time talking about standalone scenarios and the, the things that we've we played at Beneath the Waves and over the past month. But uh, Vase, Vase wanted to ask all of us what what our favorite scenarios are in the Arkham Horror LCG as of right now, as of the Search for Kadath, which I don't think any of us have played yet. But So I guess we'll... Dream, Fe- Dream Eater is backwards. What are, what are some of your guys' favorite scenarios and why? So, so can I ask it? So what are some of your favorite scenarios and why? Did you just repeat the same question that he asked? Well, he said Vase wanted to ask you guys, so I'm asking. So we'll start with, uh, we'll start with Nate. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so I guess I guess we'll just kind of do it by campaign. So I guess I'll start with the deluxe box. Uh, Midnight Masks is a great scenario. Uh, the Gathering is good for the purposes of learning the game, which is, you know, great in its own right. And personally, the Gathering has a special place in my heart. But mechanically speaking, Midnight Masks is a, just a fun scenario to play. But I think now I'm going to flip-flop and say The Gathering for Night of the Zealot. That's my favorite scenario out of that campaign, just for the memories that it has. Um, going into Dunwich, uh, other than Lost in Time and Space, uh, which kind of seems like an obvious favorite of mine, uh, I really like Blood on the Altar, other than the cheese that can happen in that scenario. That scenario is pretty fun. Uh, I have mixed feelings about Dunwich. I hate Essex County as I'm sure fans of my YouTube channel have been more than aware of. Uh, let's see. Other than that, in Dunwich, I think Lost in Time and Space really just takes the hat for me in that campaign. That scenario is just really cool, and I really like the things that that scenario does. It really makes you feel like you're wandering around in space. But yeah, yeah. so Lost in Time and Space. Carcosa, I would say Unspeakable Oath is one of my favorites, if not... If not Unspeakable Oath, I really enjoy Phantom of Truth as well. And Forgotten Age, I really enjoy Threads of Fate and Depths of Yoth. And Circle Undone, I really enjoyed At Death's Doorstep and the For the Greater Good. 
And then out of the Dream Eaters blocks, I, I think I enjoy the B side more than I do the A side. Is the B side the Waking World? Yes. Oh, I see. Interesting. Yeah, I think I like that scenario more because, uh, like Man had said earlier, I feel like that scenario feels more difficult, and I, I always like a challenge in Arkham. So I tend to gravitate towards that scenario more than I do the A side. Hmm. What about you, Man from Lang? What are your favorite scenarios? Uh, I think my list is pretty uh, pretty similar to uh, to Nate's. Uh, Dunwich, I like Blood on the Altar and uh, Where Doom Awaits. I think those are the two that I I look forward to playing the most. I don't have uh, quite the hate he does for for Essex. I do enjoy playing Essex. It's it's fast. I'll give it that. In uh, Carcosa, Unspeakable Oath for me is is a, a, a constantly go to that one. Uh, I like Pallid Mask too, and uh, Black Stars Rise. That uh, campaign seems to have a lot of scenarios. I think if I had to pick one to play, it would be Curtain Call because I I do love playing that scenario over and over and over again. Uh, in uh, Forgotten Age, the first two scenarios are probably my favorites. Um, and after that, things get kind of sketchy. That that campaign and I don't uh, don't really see eye to eye. Particularly, Heart of the Elders is a real is a real bear. Uh, in Circle Undone, probably at Death's Doorstep, and then I really like um, I want to really like uh, the Secret Name. But I think it might be a little too long. But but I do like this sort of level of difficulty. But I think it might just be a bit too. You you need a particular style of deck, I think, to really to do well in it consistently. Yeah, you need a lot of clue generation to beat that scenario. And then what about what about Dream Eaters? And and Dream Eaters, I I like both of the scenarios. I do think the first one is a little is easier than the second. And if I was to sit down and play one repeatedly, I'd probably play the Waking World one. I'll bash off a bunch of games of that, I think, before I'll revisit the uh, the first one. And then what about um, what about Night of the Zealot? What do you think about those three scenarios? Uh, well, I think I think Midnight Masks is is the best one. Um, I do enjoy Return to the Gathering if I want something that doesn't melt my mind uh it's it's pretty straightforward but it's still uh it's been flat it, it fleshes it out quite a bit and makes it an actual scenario uh compared to the regular gathering i find devour below a little too swingy uh for my tastes you it doesn't give you a whole lot of time to to do much of anything but but uh to try to progress that scenario also suffers from bottlenecking a ton of enemies in one location which can be horrendously difficult. yeah and 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 we do have i mean we've got a lot of tools now to to bypass that so usually if you're going to do well in that scenario you've either a done extremely well in midnight masks or b you're using some way of cheesing the cultists at the main path yeah, i would imagine like warning shot or elusive or something like that yeah pretty much pretty much any of those those things will get you through there and uh and that to me like i 
it's it's completely legitimate way to play, but you are sort of avoiding the main conflict, and so it, uh, it I think it loses a few points for for the cheese factor. Yeah, I would agree. Nathan, uh, what are your favorite scenarios from each campaign? Uh, spoilers: I actually have not played Arkham. I just have a running bet to see how long I can fake it. So, been married almost five and a half years. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right. So, I guess we'll just. Uh... There you go. And, uh, no. Um, starting back at the beginning. I mean, Midnight Masks was the first thing that really bit me and uh, made me fall in love with the game when I saw the possibilities. Um, and then going into the Dunwich. Oh, you said backwards, but I'm going forwards because that's how I live my life. And then also going into um, the Dunwich Legacy, I really like the casino. is fun. I mean, Essex is fun because you get to tell people, right? especially if they haven't played, you're going to hit the floor running. And I don't mean like just casually. I mean like zero to 60, go. And they're like, oh, I don't... And then you know they start freaking out, eyes bulging, blood coming from the ears. And you're like, see, I told you. Uh, but then you've already called the uh, emergency numbers. Um, so it's a lot of fun. Getting in. Oh, and Carcosis. I don't I don't know why it's so many people in the community love Carcosis so much, but they do. Maybe it's because it's not mind-bendingly difficult and it has some good flavor to it. I like pretty much every scenario in the Carcosa campaign or campaign quite a bit. I do like at least the initial flavor of The Last King and and how it wraps up is cool. Um, but anyway, neither here nor there. Uh, Forgotten Age uh, punches you in the face. Uh, quite difficult, yeah. Uh, well, the campaign where... Heart of the Elders, I think, where you're kind of stuck... Spoilers where you're kind of stuck in that loop and then you just get bent over a, a counter by the apex stranglevine that is such a nasty monster such a nasty monster and the fact that before the the campaign even came out i had um posted a picture of buying stranglevines and stuff just because i was like we're going into the jungle what the hell uh if only my blowgun prediction had come true we'd all be rich and famous uh, right now, um, you're still holding out for that blow. Still holding I know you are. out. For, yeah. Return to re- return to TFA. Return to return to TFA. I'm gonna have to make my go. own return to just get the and the, the <laughs> expansion will only be a blowgun. That's it. You just add that to all these scenarios. Um, I don't know, Teresa. Did you have a favorite scenario in Forgotten Age? She's just sticking her tongue out at me as she's reading a book on running. I think this summarizes the plight of many gamers. Uh, so, um, I did, I did like threads of fate. It felt, you know, very much like a story. I liked Matt Newman's, uh, description about how he created that scenario. Um, so that was pretty cool. And then going on to circle undone. Uh, as I mentioned to people here in channel, I did like for the greater good quite a bit. Uh, I even had a Japanese puzzle box uh, on the counter, so I got to whip that thing out, which was pretty cool. I even messaged Matt uh, 
the same day I played it, and I was like, dude, that was so fun. Uh, it was a lot of fun. And then, of course, in addition to all the wonderful, wonderful official campaigns, I really do love a lot of the fan maids. My top ones being for, for pure flavor, I, I did like Happy's Funhouse. Uh, I'm going to come out with uh, additional stuff for that soon. Against the Wendigo is phenomenal. Grand Oak Hotel, they're going to make a return to the Grand Oak Hotel, which I'm excited to play. Yeah. And I talked with the creator of that, and I just said, dude, thank you so much for making more content. Because at the end of the day, we're all fans uh, of the game and want to want to play our stuff. Uh, there was another fan made I did recently. Oh, and uh, Michael Hawkins, uh, local Portland uh, gamer here for the Arkham Horror card game. It, he just made two fan maids. Uh, and I gave him some advice on the first one. It was a little bit um, difficult at times, uh, not quite working out. But he also said that before he had me play test it. And we fleshed out some really cool fixes for it. And the second one is is solid, so that that will be coming out too. That second one See? is top notch. Yeah, base knows. Yeah, yeah, it was so good. It's a two parter, so it's not like two individual scenarios. They're like part one and part two. Um, yeah, really, really fun. Yeah, and Michael Hawkins is a great guy too. Um, I think for me the for the first. For the course at Midnight Masks, I think all of us picked Midnight Masks. I picked the Gathering just at a sentimental value, but yeah. Oh, you did. What can I say? When that um, when that agenda flips and it's an enemy, I'm like, wait, what? You can do that? <laughs> and uh, that kind of got me. But uh, it wasn't until Dunwich that I really got into the game, and I think it was the House Always Wins when I played that scenario. It blew my mind. I couldn't believe the narrative and the the storytelling in the casino, like how it really felt like you were in there and that the mechanics were all working together to tell the story. So that one is one of my top, if, if not my favorite scenario of all of Arkham. And then um, Carcosa, I think The Last King is probably my favorite in Carcosa. When the VIPs flip, it's just got such a horror element to it. Uh, everything about it just weird and you're just noticing these little things. Uh, the narrative in that one really got me too. Like it really, really played up the insanity and the doubting yourself and what you're really seeing. Um, from the Forgotten Age, my favorite is Untamed Wilds. I think that that one really, again, fits the theme of being out in the in the expedition and when you're reading that agenda and saying, you know, that it, it was a fun expedition and then it's just turned to dread and misery. Like you really get to feel that and. I think that scenario has a lot of interesting mechanics. The explore mechanic, a lot of people have issues with it, but I think in that scenario it works, uh, especially in in really feeling like you're going out and exploring and running into all these, you know, things that are stopping you. Uh, so I really like that one. Do you have issues with the explore mechanic? Because I've always found it to be just fine. Um, it's just fine in multiplayer. I think in solo it has issues in specific scenarios. It makes it a little too difficult because you're, you could have you know three or four rounds in a row where you're pulling two treacheries in a round and playing solo. That's just going to devastate your your playthrough. It's just too much. Um, but other than that, I think in multiplayer the explore mechanic is fine. 
but I, I've heard some homebrew adjustments that you can make for it, which are interesting, like removing treacheries from the Explorer deck and putting them back into the Encounter deck based on how many players you have. So you'll have one treachery in the Explorer deck plus one more treachery for each player playing, and I think that balances it out a little bit better. Um, anyway, so that, that one's pretty cool. And then I also really like Threads of Fate. I think the you know the storytelling it really feels like a role-playing game combined with a card game and that that scenario embodies all of that uh from the circle and done at that store step i really really enjoy that that scenario as much as i like the witch theme and all that stuff just something about being in that mansion and just you know trying to investigate the disappearance of the of the people is really fun and from the new one, from the Dream Eaters, I've only played the Waking Nightmare, so I'm going to withhold judgment until I play a few more. Um, so that's it. But it seems like there's a theme here. Like, most of the early scenarios in each campaign seem to be the favorites for everybody. Yeah, that seems to be the case. Um, so, so to kind of quickly wrap up this little uh, scenario conversation, what are so if you had to pick, like, three to five scenarios to play and you couldn't play any other ones, which ones would you pick? Ooh. Okay. Uh, for me, it would be House Always Wins, The Last King, and Untamed Wilds. Hmm. That's a really interesting choice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Man from Lang, what about you? Um, hmm. I would probably choose uh, Midnight Masks, Unspeakable Oath. Um... Blood on the Altar, something like that. <laughs> Interesting choices. Uh, Nathan, what about you? You know, that's kind of a weird thing to ask. Um, I'm not sure, because, like, I don't ever think that way. <laughs> I just like, all the content! You know, the, the more meme. That That is actually you, especially for anyone that's seen Nathan's massive gaming shelf in his apartment. Well, you know, I'm a sales manager at a large game store. What can you mean? It also helps. Uh, that's, I guess, because I liked it so much, I would say for the greater good, because it was just so darn fun, and I want to play it again. Um, it's so tough. I would pick a fan-made. I would also say against the Wendigo, just because I liked how rich the story was. And for the last one... I uh, would probably pick... I'd go to Carcosa, because why not? And I would probably pick... I guess I'd also pick The Last King, like Vase said. But so many good campaigns, so many good memories. That's really a tough, tough question. Um, Nate, I want you to answer yours, and I want everyone to wrap this section up with what investigator they would play. Uh, and I think I would play Mark Harrigan. Go ahead. So I think the three I would continuously play are Midnight Masks, Unspeakable Oath, and For the Greater Good. And then for an investigator to play, ah, oh man, that is a tough question, but I think it would have to be Pete. I like, I like, um, I like that Pete basically has an answer for everything along with Duke. So I think for me that that's probably the most fun I would have is at least feeling like I had a fighting chance. But what about what about you, uh, Vase? Which investigator would you pick? Well, I think everybody knows the answer. It's going to be Carol and Fern, of course. 
the botanist. Oh, I thought it was going to be Skids. I thought you were going to pick Skids. No. <laughs> no, <laughs> Skids and I have a love-hate relationship. It's uh, I'm still working on... I want to make him work, but I just haven't had a chance to, to really get a good grasp of using him. But if, if Carolyn Fern didn't exist, I would go with Patrice because she's, she's amazing. She's really been blowing my mind lately. Yeah. What about you, man from Lang? Well, I would go with either Pete or Marie, but since Nate chose Pete, I will take Marie. She's my current favorite. I like the fact that there was someone out there that made a fan-made Duke that you could play Duke by himself. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny. I mean, you basically do when you play it's Pete, hilarious. to be fair. Like, you're just using Pete to use have you, Duke. Have more. you guys played the uh, board game Dead of Winter? Nathan, you have, right? Or do you think I was born in a non-gaming barn? <laughs> there, so, you, it's like a zombie apocalypse game, and one of the characters, you can actually play a dog, and it's hilarious. It reminds me of Pete. That's great. <laughs> That's awesome. I would definitely play that character all the time. I'd just be the good Puppo, and Puppo would kill zombies. In the in the world of the Arkham LCG community, uh, like Nathan was saying earlier, he and uh, scenario writer VinQuest, who is the author of the much well-endorsed here on the Great Old Ones Gaming Podcast, the Against the Wendigo scenario. Um, Nathan, do you have any details that you can share as of right now about your about your creation with VinQuest, or are you guys still kind of in... Yeah, no, I can, I can just mention it for just a, a moment. Basically, I wanted to, to create a scenario, and I put this out to the greater masses for, for comments, and a, a few people said some stuff. I wanted to create a scenario that was rich and thematic that you would enjoy every time you played it. That's of utmost importance because I'm all about atmosphere. Um, in addition, I wanted to have it be like a, a gym or a testing facility where you could test out your decks and kind of see how they can go through the paces. Um, so it is going to involve an estate of some sort slash mansion uh, that you'll go to and you'll interact with people or a person in the lobby and there's several hallways that you can choose and you can do this kind of gamut of testing um, but we've already got as I said before we've already got some great ideas going uh, between myself and Vinny or Vince uh, and I'm just really excited to work with them and Add more content, as I said. I hope it's fun, but at the end of the day, it's it's just a fun experience in general. And Nathan, I kind of quickly wanted to ask you about uh, the scenario that you and Andrew Migliori wrote, the Lurker in the Lobby. That seemed to be a pretty big hit with people that were at Beneath the Waves this past uh, month. Yeah, it was neat. We had several people playing it. Um, you know, it's not perfect because it's a fan made. We don't have the the testing base. Um, that some of the, the official stuff does. Pardon me. That all the official stuff does. Um, but it's just fun. It's flavorful. We're, we're going to do a few more tweaks. I, I got some feedback some, from, from some people at the con. I've got feedback from other people. We're going to come out with a version soon and put it up on the interwebs. And at that point, you know, I'll also solicit more responses from people. But uh, it is a lot of fun. 
it's it's a whole different thing. It, if you design a, an investigator, which is fairly easy to do, it can take anywhere from uh, you know a few minutes to an hour or two. I did not realize the sheer amount of work it would take to do a, a full scenario, let alone the amount of hours that um, you know, we had custom art done for it. And Andrew did not use Strange Eons. He just did all the minute programming and cut and bleeds and stuff uh, with other programs. There was probably a lot more time consuming and harder, especially when he showed me what he did. So, but yeah, it was definitely a cool process. Well, cool. I'm I'm really excited to check that out. I was kind of disappointed I didn't have the the opportunity to when we were in Portland because the lo- uh, the scenario is based in Portland. Uh, Nathan, can you kind of give us a brief synopsis of that scenario, real quick? S- simply put, um, you are I think you're on the East Coast and you're hired by. Um, Mr. Pittock to come investigate the disappearance of uh, one of their journalists and uh, he didn't want to pay for anybody locally because of the rampant corruption uh, in the city at the time and uh, you know there was a lot of Shanghai uh, sailors getting crimped and forced into labor on outbound ships so it kind of deals with that it deals with you know, we, we kind of kept it nautical. There's deep ones involved. Um, but there's several key locations in town. The Pittock Manor, um, the Mount Tabor, Dormant Volcano Park area, the old Hollywood Theater, Union Station. We tried to incorporate that and a lot of the, <clears throat> the prime movers and goers of the H.P. Lovecraft Film Festival because it was written for the film festival. Um, but inside jokes abound as well oh that sounds really cool i'm excited to check that out so do we want to move into trivia now or did do you guys have anything else you wanted to mention before we move move forward let's do trivia i guess vase is spoken okay and then cue the the theme music for my trivia thing okay here we go um we're gonna start off today with uh, the Skeleton Key. The Skeleton Key, of course, is a two-experience uh, pip item-cursed relic from uh, the Rogue Tree. Does anyone happen to know how many pips it has and what those pips are? An intellect and a willpower? You say it with such confidence. Um, is that your final answer? That is my final answer. Nope. I'd say intellect and agility. Ooh, no. Any any uh, guesses from the vase? Uh, uh, I'm going to go with intellect and wild. It is an intellect and an intellect. I don't know why. I always wow. envision, envision somebody like angrily shouting, spittle coming uh, off their mouth onto the windshield inside their car, stuck in traffic. Like, how do people not know this? It's my favorite card. <laughs> Effing idiots. I love it. I love it. Here's a hard one. Uh, trick question. Impromptu Barrier has what investigator on the card? Rita. Yeah, it's not really a trick question. Man from Lang. One point. Good job. Um, we have the card Teamwork, which is a uh, Guardian card. Zero cost event. 
what is he handing a gun to the other man? Wow. How wow. is he handing the wow. gun to the other person? Before he could even finish the question, man. Damn. Oh, you knew where I was Damn. going. That's right. Man from Lang. I'm gonna win. I'm I'm gonna win this one. I'm I do so terribly on How is he handing the gun? How is he handing the gun to him? Yeah, he's handing him the butt of the gun. I don't know. I just wanted to add that little extra bit. That was for a bonus point. You didn't get it. That's fine. Two points total. Man from Lang. People, I've only got eight questions left. you got to kind of step up your game. All right. Because you asked for it, icons on soothing me- melody, go. On soothing melody? Uh, Vase, you should know uh, this. Is it willpower? I'm sorry. Was that an answer? It was a willpower. Okay. Nope. Next. It's two willpower icons, isn't it? Man from Lang. Uh, I'm going to go willpower intellect. All right. The answer is willpower intellect and agility. Wow. All three? What? Okay. Right? Why would you not play this thing? So good. Uh, Yeah. And that is the spell. Keep that in mind. I have a quote for you because I know uh, a lot of our listeners, they, they text me my personal land or uh, cell phone number all the time. They text this to me. More trivia. And I'm like, no, stop. No, literally nobody contacts me. It's pretty funny. Um, what quote is this card from? Dot, dot, dot. And power corrupts. Oh, crap. I should know this. Uh, this is a, I, I feel like this is from a card I regularly play. Is it? Any guess? Any guesses, people? You know, no one's bleeding out if you don't take a stab. Come on. Knowledge is power. Correct. Oh wow! So you all gave Man from Lang time to go Google that one. No. Damn. All right, that is a third point from Man from Lang, aka the man who would not be stopped. This is just a, a simple, quick one, and I think you'll enjoy this concept. Um, this one looks like someone's getting half their body kind of blasted away uh, in a casual manner from existence. Is an asset. That's a hard one. Oh, man. Oh, it's supposed uh, to be. Can't make them all easy. Hmm. For all you people out there that quickly try to Google the answer. I'll come back to it. I'll come back to it. All right. Easy one. I might have asked this before. What is uh, the lady grabbing in the picture resourceful? She's grabbing a pair of shears? I just checked with the panel. They're not going to accept that answer. Oh, what? Come on. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was garden shares. Boom, correct. So there's a difference between... No, oh, what? No, Come on. There's a difference between shears, which a lot of people have in their home drawers in the kitchen, and garden shears, okay? Oh, come no, on. That's no, nitpicking. No, no, it's not. If you think about it, it's not. All right, Nurse Heather. She will agree with me. She, All right, you know what? One. She probably would, too. She's probably going to listen to this that's and the laugh best part. at me. Well, hey, when you zoom in on the face of a monkey. <laughs> okay. Um... Next one, it's a quote. Cut to the heart of the matter. Man, Nathan, you have made these questions much harder over the previous episodes. Right. Have I? Have I? Because hmm. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty <laughs> sure I know the answer. Well, you so probably have a card sitting right in front of you. That's not fair. You know, it's the Alex Trebek syndrome. You know how he looks smug every time he reads the answer to something like he knew it? It's pretty funny. Anybody? Kukri? Ooh, the best weapon ever made that rhymes with Ukri. 
Is that right? No, that's not correct. No, it's not correct, oh. but it Ooh. sounded good. At least he guessed. <laughs> At least he didn't just sit here wasting airtime bitching about how hard the questions were. Uh, I'm just saying. Yeah, hey, I've got four points, so they can't be that hard. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I should have a point, but Nathan robbed me of it, so it's fine. Did I, though? Yeah, that was that was sheer madness. Um, <laughs> Ace of Swords, my friends. Cut to the heart of the matter, you know, like cutting a car, uh, tarot deck. Um, speaking of pips, uh, or icons, I'm sorry. I know you wanted just a little more of these. Physical training, upgrade, upgraded card. Two experience pips. Oh, two willpower, two combat. Vase, with the come from behind, non-victory over the man from Lang. Vase one, man from Lang zero. Ha. Uh, Nate from Lost in Vase, negative Lang. one for complaining. Wow, what? All right, wow. we got another. We're taking points away now. We want to make it negative two. <laughs> Here we go for another quote. It was left behind for a purpose. Grizzly Totem? New. It's about time, but no. Gold pocket watch. Vase. Um, I, I don't know. Kia V's. <laughs> That'd be funny if that was correct. I don't know. Just a uh, blam. Uh, the Chthonian Stone. I almost wanted it to be uh, Grizzly Totem. And then I could be like, no. And then I'd be like, it's the Totem Grizzly. You know, and just like piss with you more. Because... Because <laughs> you were saying that scissors were the same thing as garden shears. All right. Um, I said shears. Does Nathan, anybody? Come on. I just literally said the same thing. Um, oh my god. Any any of you listeners out there know this uh, card that I was hitting at, talking about someone being blown away casually? Let them lend them send it in. That will be the trivia question for. The Blackest Friday contest. We'll do uh, that at a cliffhanger. I will, I, because it's the question, let me read it one more time. Uh, it is an asset, and the person is getting half their body kind of blown away into the ether of the of the universe at a casual pace. Casual being the, the key word to that entire thing. Um, and then I have uh, a last question. I'm actually going to make this question worth zero points because i want to respect the lead that man from lang has uh and the fact that he has not given in to any fits of laughter ever again for my wonderful jokes um someone had come out come out with the um the charts for arkham horror the card game recently which was fantastic uh i don't know if anybody saw those but it was uh shumnan I can't say the last name and do it justice, but he had made a Excel sheet with the Arkham Horror LCG investigators and kind of compared and contrasted them and what they could do. Uh, and I found out that there is only one investigator with a five agility. What is that investigator? Rita. 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 Bam. You Come know, on, cut and paste his answer from earlier for impromptu barrier. Good job, man from Lang. I'll go ahead and give you a point for that since it was you. Five That's to right. one, everybody. In your face, Nate and Vase. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Even Ryan's... Oh, my God. Uh, two people have willpower, five. Three people have willpower or intellect, five. Two people have combat, five. But one person's got an agility, five. Rita. So that is no longer worth a point. Uh, oh, Welcome to try, five though. minutes ago, Vase. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> w, W, W. 
And for Community Spotlight, I guess I also want to point out that Keith Hamilton had pointed out on the Facebook group, does anyone know about the Holiday uh, Chaos Ultimate, Ultimum, I can't say it, Ultimatum Throwdown? I think I saw a mention of it in the Mythos Busters Discord, but I haven't seen uh, Big Stupid Grin talk about it other than that. So, Well, the simple fact that on Arkham DB you have the chance to hit the random button so you can build a full deck just at random uh, is pretty awesome. So the goal is you make a random deck, no do-overs, just do exactly what it gives you. And then as you're playing a campaign, you can use your experience to kind of unchaos your deck and see if you can pull anything out of the fire. Um, really fascinating. Highly recommend you check it out. Um, but it's the Old School Gamer presents uh, Old School Gamer on Board Game Geek. Take out the E before the, the last R and you can find him pretty quickly. Uh, really cool concept for the holidays. So, And he's given a, a gracious, I think, two months basically to work on it. So I'd like to talk to talk about that again later and figure out what everybody does. I'm even going to do an investigator at random. I'm going to have a lot of fun with this. Well, very cool. Yeah, I'm thinking about actually on that topic, I was actually thinking about taking one of those decks and doing a kind of twi Twitch Plays Arkham event on my live stream at some point so oh cool so yeah. i had a lot of people mentioning oh you're probably not even going to get out of the study because people are just going to be like draw 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 never investigate so we'll see how that goes um but is there anything else you guys wanted to briefly mention before we wrap things up today i wanted to hear nathan's view on uh marvel champions oh shoot i was i did tease that i was going to talk about that i'm sorry Vase, what were you saying? Um, just for the, the contest one more time, uh, submit your answer to Nathan's trivia question, and uh, we're going to pick a winner at random from the entries that are sent in. And how are people going to enter? Do we want to have them enter on Discord, or do we want them to email us? Let's have them do, do email and Discord. We could do both and just gather up all the names from both. Oh, well, okay. Look at you being... Uh open to all of that <laughs> all right well so i'll put details on how to enter the blackest friday contest in the show notes of this episode in case you missed it or you're in the car and you forgot and are still interested if you're listening at this point of the episode but nathan i mean man wants to hear it what are your what are your opinions on marvel champions man wants to hear it the man, man wants, wants to, know. to know um so i i it doesn't grab me as much as the, just before I even played it as much as the theme for Arkham because I've always loved Lovecraft. I like the nitty gritty horror aspect. I love the art. I love the um, the fact that it's set in the twenties actually adds a lot to it because it gives it another feel, which is kind of hard to put your finger on for Arkham. And then Lord of the Rings, I really enjoy high fantasy, familiar concepts but even more um what do you call it um more fleshed out even if you have read the books and watched the movies there's a lot of great trivia and lore so to go from that to what we're now immersed in which is kind of the the candy of the the film industry now all the superhero movies i was a little hesitant 
I also in my head was thinking, hey, this is basically Sentinels of the Multiverse. Because you pick your character, you've already got your deck kind of made, and you get to pick your villain. So in my head, I was like, how, how could this be different? It's probably the same thing. But I played it, and, um, and I really liked it. It, it. it does feel a little lighter than Arkham and Lord of the Rings. But ultimately, you have these different things. Um, when you pick your hero, you have X amount of cards. I want to say it's 15 that are key to that hero, and that's already pre-made. So it's like having your signature cards in Arkham, but a lot more of them. And then you pick uh, a type of kind of faction to pair with it, like defense or justice or aggression. Um, so you get to kind of add that flavor like a mixer into your hero to make your deck. So it's fairly quick and easy to deck build. That's a plus for people that don't like to deck build. Um, and it's it's flavorful. Uh, like if you like Spider-Man, you'll love the cards that he can do. It makes sense. Another thing that I really like about the game is the fact that it's got the ultra ego and then the hero side. So you'll be Peter Parker on one side, and you can do things as, as well as heal in Peter Parker mode. And the Aunt May asset can only heal you if you're in Peter Parker mode. By the way, you can have up to three allies, which is cool. Two Charismas in play, technically, right? Um, and then on the, the hero side, you get to do combat and other things. So you have a variety of things you can do. Plus, each side, the alter ego and the hero side, each have their own power. So on Peter Parker, uh, regular side, alter ego side, you get an extra resource from him for free. And then you can also flip it that same round, but you can only flip once around. And if you're on the hero side, you get to... Oh, shoot. I'm blanking on what that side does. I did, did use the Peter Parker uh, side quite a bit. Uh, the I other think side lets you like when you punch get a, the boss, right? Lets you punch them. I think when you get attacked, you draw a card because of spider senses. But yeah, you get to punch punch at the boss. Um, and then the villain itself was a lot of fun because with the villains, there's three villains. There's um, Rhino. There's Claw uh, from the movies. He's Andy Circus is a character that he played. And then there's the hardest one is Ultron. So you get to pick which level you want to do with that. And then you also get the, there's five basically like scheme expansions of sorts. You get to shuffle one of those full sets into the villain. So you can make the villains different by doing that. For example, uh, there's like the bomb scheme and you they recommend i believe it you start with that against rhino for the intro play so really solid ways of changing up your characters changing up the villains the core mechanic on playing the game is neat uh you draw your hand of and it'll show you your characters uh on the card how many you can draw but let's say you can draw six so you draw six and then with those cards in hand let's say you want to play one of them that costs four you're going to discard, in most cases, four cards to play it. So it's Race for the Galaxy slash San Juan concept of pitching 
other cards to pay for some. But you can pretty much play out your whole hand, kind of like Patrice. And then uh, when it's time to draw, you're going to draw up to your hand limit. Now keep in mind the here the action side, hero side, is different than the alter ego in most cases. So depending on which side you're on, it's going to determine how many cards you get, which is also kind of fun. Uh, and there's stuns, uh, conditions, and confused. There's tough. Um, there, there's a lot of fun things going on. I haven't fleshed it out too much. I've only played about three times. But I bought a copy. Uh, I'm testing it out. I'm already looking at some ways of uh, upgrading my game. I'm, I know, you're you, shocked. You, you can't even um, imagine the look on my face right now, Nathan. You upgrading yeah, a game. I've got three different sources all of them in England, uh, to pimp the game out in three different ways. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I do recommend you try it out. It, oh, uh, last thing, it also is reminiscent of Lord of the Rings because when the enemy is attacking you, A, if you're in your alter ego side, they will use um, their influence to to start building their scheme so that, that builds threat up like they're kind of like Doom. Uh, but if you're on your hero side, they will attack you because you're there in person fighting it. So you have to decide which form you want to be in at the end of the round because that's how it will engage with you. And then everybody will get uh, they'll get attacked. And if you're on the alter ego side, it will scheme. And if you're on your hero side, it will fight. And you'll pick a card off the top of the deck, very much like Lord of the Rings, where you get the shadow effect to see if it hits you. And uh, depending on the card, it will either do like zero, one, or two. I don't know if there's a three, Pip. But it'll do additional damage or additional schemes against you that way. So really well thought out. They definitely borrowed from Arkham and from Lord of the Rings. Um, but it's its own thing. I do recommend everybody listening at least give it a try once because you might very well like it. And they're coming out with new uh, LCG booster packs. Now, in Arkham, of course, you've got and Lord of the Rings. In Lord of the Rings, you got heroes with every pack, as well as the adventure. Right, Cameron? Okay. In Arkham, you get, um, obviously, player cards and the adventure. I think with this one, they're just going to do, like, the Green Goblin will just be the Green Goblin. And Captain America will just be Captain America. So you'll get the, the hero or the, the villain. And I'm looking forward to playing things like Groot or playing Rocket and all you know all the characters you're familiar with. But I I am already excited about the Green Goblin because unlike the current villains in the game, the Green Goblin can basically flip back and forth between Alter Ego and the the monster side. So it'll interact with you much more like artificially intelligence. It'll feel almost like a player. So. Anyway, I've gone on a lot about it, but a lot of cool things. Does the game have, um, like, campaign play, or is it just, like, individual scenario? Nah, I didn't really notice campaign play. It's more of a one-shot type thing. They might introduce campaign play down the way, hmm. but I think it's supposed to feel a little more like a one-shot. What about uh, experience points and upgrade cards and stuff? I guess since there's no campaign, no, there's no... not. I don't think so. Interesting. That sounds pretty cool. I'm excited to try it out. Yeah, I would I would recommend it. Yeah. With everything out of the way today, um, 
wrapping things up, we just briefly want to re-mention our Blackest Friday giveaway uh, with the... Thank you, Vase. Yes, much much thanks to Vase. And Nathan, what was the trivia question again for the Blackest Friday giveaway? Oh, man, we've done it so many times. <laughs> done it three times. I'll do it one more time. It's an asset. It looks like half of a person is getting blown away at a casual pace into the cosmos. Good luck. And you can win all the deluxe expansions and the two-player Great Old Ones playmat. It's a really nice playmat. Uh, holy crap, that's a lot of stuff. You realize that all this stuff is like a lot of stuff to give away. That's fine. <laughs> and how long how long do people have to enter said contest um the deadline uh will be the uh last friday of november so that would be uh two weeks from now so what the, what date is that the 29th so yeah so we have the blackest friday giveaway going out um and while you're at it if you have any suggestions for her uh, future content that you'd like to see us create uh, you can certainly email us or reach us on discord um, other than that uh, we have a patreon if you want to support the show on patreon that is patreon.com slash the great old ones gaming uh, we have many rewards like a book club uh, special access to various channels in our discord server as well as eternal love eternal love and uh, we also we also do take questions, and we will answer them on air. So if you want to have your questions answered by the man from Lang or from Vase Odin or myself or Nathan, uh, you can you can absolutely check out our Patreon page and become a member of the Worshippers of the Great Old Ones. But with that, that's going to close out today's episode. I've been Nate, lost in time and space. I'm Man from Lang from the Whisper in Darkness YouTube channel. I'm Innkeeper Vase Odin from the Twisted Tentacle Inn. And I'm Nathan Early from Arkham Horror Images of Madness on Instagram and Arkham Central along with Karsten, who is amazeballs. Do you change your outro every episode? Every damn episode, hooker. All right, I love it. Nathan, side note early, signing out. God, that's just, hold on. That's such a shitty nickname compared to all y'all. I tried to think of something better. Uh, oh, side note.